Well, let's dive in. Um, I was given a bag of kind of chocolate... What are they? Are they chicks? I was like, are they birds? Are they rabbits? I don't know. What? They're chicks. And uh, I've got a few of them, and literally I've not known what to do with them. I was going to do the teenagers, come and get them, but I'm not. Um, so I thought I would do a quiz, but I've got no questions. So this is totally, totally off the cuff, right? So um, hands up. <laughs> Stop. No, you don't know. All right, what's the answer? No. No, it's not bingo. <laughs> it's, um, okay, what day of the week did Jesus die? Oh, you've got to put your hand up. Well done. What day of the week? Yes? Well done. <laughs> there you go. Unbelievable. <laughs> and, and this guy... Rubbish quiz. Rubbish questions. Yes? Oh, 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 oh. You should? I know, I know. Would you like it? Would you like one? Oh, you're just trying to prove a point. Is that what you're doing? Oh, you've got a point to prove as well. Go on. Right, call it out. Okay. Well, all right, all right, all right. Goodness me. I think I should quit while I'm ahead. No more, no more chicks. No more chicks. What is it? Andy Howard for wearing shorts. Well done. Where are you? There you go. Any, oh. Any more men? There you go. Nathan for wearing shorts. Any other men wearing shorts? There you go. Good lad. Good lad. Clear off. There we go. Watch your heads. Health and safety and all that. Um, who's top of the league? Who? Ireland, in your dreams. There you go. Any more, any more. Who was the first person to see Jesus? The risen Jesus. Well done, you. There you go. And, um, oh my goodness. Who are the two disciples who came running to the tomb? Oh, who was it? Go on. Close. Close. Peter and John. Well done. Well done. And uh, any more, any more, any more? Um, how many Easter eggs are we going to give away tomorrow? We've got to, you can't, there's rules here. There's rules. Yeah. Well done, you can have one. Well done. Super duper. And have we got anyone from overseas here? Oh, no, no. Anyone's birthday today? I know, that was just for you, Doug. Well done. <laughs> Super duper. Happy Easter to you all. You know, this is a wonderful celebration in the life of, you know, the church and the calendar and the, those of us who know and love and have relationship with Jesus and um, you know last year I wasn't here for Easter oh it's not mine and because um, I, I was in Ethiopia last year and uh, and I missed Easter with you folks and uh, it was really funny because the the church there in this town called Bokaji uh, had invited me to speak 
And, uh, and I was so, so nervous. Like, I don't usually get nervous for this, but I was so nervous having to prepare a message. And because it was Easter, I thought, yeah, then I'll, I'll prepare an Easter message and what have you. And as I'm preparing it, it suddenly dawned on me. I don't know why I thought this. I was like, is it, what's that? You, you said it might not be Easter there. And I'm like, well, don't be daft. Of course it's Easter everywhere. And I found out that it wasn't Easter there. And they, they run off a different calendar. Right now it's like 2005. And their timing is all completely up the left as well. Like, you'd be like looking at your watch going, it's 3 o'clock. And they're like, no, it's not. It's 10. And honestly, they run off a completely different kind of time system. And so I'd gone preparing this Easter message to this church of well over a 1,000 odd people. And I'm nervous as it is. And I've got one message, Easter. So I had to do it anyway. And they were very gracious. And all these little children, they sat at the front. And I brought all these little foil-wrapped Easter eggs, similar to the ones that we're going to give away tomorrow to our kids. And I purposely had brought them because I wanted to give them a little Easter egg and sort of say, this is what we do in our culture, is we give out eggs. And it was great. We had some of the team come up and we were giving out little Easter eggs to all the kids and they were getting them. And I was so, so concerned. I so wanted everyone to get an egg. It was just like, I didn't want any little nipper to go away without an egg. And so I said, is, is there anyone here that, you know, I thought most of them had got one is there anyone here not got the egg? And it was like half of the hands went up. It was brilliant. It was like they, they weren't stupid at all. And, um, and, then, and then I felt really sorry for them because one of, the, one of the team said, Paul, Paul, you've got to tell them to take the foil off. They're not taking the foil off the eggs. They're just putting them straight in. I felt so bad. Anyway, so that was that. And so I, I used this illustration as we do for the eggs, that the eggs were first, the tradition first came into being because it represented the tomb, the empty tomb. And out of the empty tomb, out of that shell, came new life. And I want to share this morning uh, just about life and the life that Jesus uh, gives us. Does anyone remember this poster? Um, This poster I've managed to find off the internet off uh, the Billy Graham archive of kind of publicity. And uh, it was used during uh, one of Billy Graham's crusades. If you don't know who he is, he's probably the best-known, well-known Christian speaker dude. He has preached to over 200 million people live uh, over the years. And he has personally known nine U.S. presidents. And he would have packed out stadiums full of people. And he would have preached the gospel to people. And many people would have become Christians over the years, over many, many years. He's still alive. And, uh, and I remember uh, going to this mission, and it was, uh, it was Billy Graham's last time that he was in England. It was in 1989, and, uh, and I went to one of the nights that they did in Earl's Court. Earl's Court is a very, very large indoor arena in London, and, uh, and I couldn't tell you a word that he said that night. I don't remember a thing about it, except it was a wee bit boring, to be honest. But I don't remember anything that was said, but I remember there was something really real going on, and I really remember, it was just around the time when I was just like, God, are you there? I really, I think you're there. I think I need to do something about this, but I don't know, and I don't know you. And, uh, but, but I felt really drawn. I felt really led. There was nothing that really convinced me that he said during that night. And I went away, and I, I didn't kind of go to the front, and I didn't do all the stuff that they would do in those kind of crusades. But I really felt like over those coming days, I needed to respond. And I remember going to my vicar. He was a local kind of vicar. I kind of knew him as an old, older kind of guy and quite wiry, real lovely, godly kind of fella. And I said, I, I think I need to become a Christian. I think I need to 
kind of pray something and, and do something with God here, but I don't really know him and I really don't want to change. I don't really want to have to give up those fun things that I was doing as a teenager and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, and he was like, well, if, you, if you're going to know Jesus, if you're going to do this properly, you will change, but it will be for the better. You'll, you'll do that and he will give you the kind of life that you really want, a satisfying life, a whole life, a fulfilled life. And, and so about a week later, um, I, I did that. I prayed with this guy, David Crowe, the Reverend David Crowe, and, and that was the beginning of my journey, the beginning of transformation, the beginning of knowing Jesus and having life and all its fullness. And so that was 25 years ago. Uh, 25 years ago, I, I invited Jesus, the giver of life, to come in. And so those of you who've been coming week after week and you've been looking at T-shirts that I wear and you're thinking, there must be a message there's a message this morning in the t-shirt. And you're all looking at me now and I'm feeling really self-conscious, but I deliberately did it. 25 years of living for adventure. And it's my t-shirt made by Fat Face. Chantel, would you come and read this bit for us? Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Oops, sorry. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So the passage that kind of precedes this is obviously chapter 9. And it tells of this story about how Jesus has healed this blind man. And the Pharisees, the Pharisees, they were the religious people that were charged with uh, teaching uh, the scriptures at that point uh, to the people and leading people towards relationship with God. And uh, they could not see with their own eyes what Jesus had done. You see, they couldn't get past the fact that Jesus has healed a blind person because he healed them on the Sabbath day. And they couldn't see the fact that Jesus had done something incredible by opening the eyes of the blind. They couldn't see that. They couldn't get past that because he'd done it on the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day was meant to be holy and you're meant to rest and not do anything there. And they couldn't see and they couldn't get past that. And they continue to ask questions about Jesus. Who is this man? He cannot claim to be who he is because he wouldn't do those things. And he grilled they, the Pharisees. They bring this man who's been blind and they ask him questions. And then they're like, not sure, was he really blind in the first place? And they get the parents out and they say, tell us, was he really blind or is he having us all on? Is this a bit of a joke here? And uh, they, they, they established that, yes, since he was born, he was blind. And then they bring him in again. They say, guy, you know, 
tell us this. We know that this man, this man is Jesus, this man Jesus, he's a sinner. And the man says to the Pharisees, he says, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. And the religious people, they still can't get beyond this. They can't get past this. And Jesus uses this opportunity to speak to the Pharisees about spiritual blindness, about not being able to get past the religiosity to actually see Jesus. And we have seen this time and time again in our culture that religion just gets in the way of Jesus. It just prevents us moving into relationship with him. And our friend Jim from Canterbury Vineyard who spoke here once, I remember he coined this phrase in his church. He said, religion sucks. And it does. Anything that we do, folks, I've said this to you before, if we start doing stuff that we just do for the sake of it, because of tradition, or because of it's sort of religious, then you've got to tell us. And we're going to stamp on it. Because we're not going to have any of that. Because ultimately, Jesus came that we might have life. And that we have that through relationship. And so, he's got this captive audience now, Jesus, with these Pharisees in chapter 10. And he talks to them, and uh, he talks to them about sheep and sheepfolds and shepherds and all that sort of stuff. And he says, "This anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Sheepfolds are still used today. If you've ever walked the morns, you'll have come across many of them. Some are in use still today, and many of them uh, were used many, many years ago and just kind of derelict and left to the elements. And a sheepfold was really... Uh, its purpose and its intent years ago in the ancient kind of world in Jesus' time and today was about gathering the sheep into a certain area which, where the sheep would be safe. And in ancient times, the shepherd would bring them to the sheepfold, to the pen, and they would be inside it. And the shepherd would then sit or would lie and, and through the night sleep across the gateway to protect um, someone coming in and stealing the sheep but would also be there to protect against wild animals, wolves or whatever, to coming in and attacking the sheep. And that's what the shepherd would do. The only one allowed through the gate to get the sheep was the shepherd. And when inside the sheepfold, the shepherd would call his own sheep by name and would lead them out. The sheep would be familiar with the shepherd's voice. The sheep, although are known as stupid kind of creatures or animals, would have the intelligence to understand and recognize the voice and uh, that of the shepherd. And this is literal. And Jesus uses this to speak of himself, and it reminds me of the resurrection. Very early on that morning, Mary comes to the tomb, and she realizes that the stone has been rolled away, and she's She's gutted. She's absolutely devastated and she's disappointed. She sees Peter and John and she tells them. She's kind of hanging around this tomb, this empty tomb, and the grave clothes are left in there. And uh, she's crying. As she wept, she bent over. She looked inside and there were two angels seated where Jesus' body was. And they asked the woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned round out of the tomb. She's looking inside. She turns round and she sees Jesus there. At this point, she doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. And he asks her, woman, why are you crying? 
Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that Jesus was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus says to her, Mary. That was his voice. That was the one word. And it was her name, Mary. And she turned to him and she cries out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. She's having this conversation with the person who she thinks is the gardener. And I don't understand, and we don't understand why she didn't recognize from looking at this man that it was Jesus. I don't get that and I don't understand that. But I do get this bit. When she, when he spoke her name, Mary, she recognized Jesus. It's so like the shepherd and the sheep who recognize his voice. And so for you folks, for us this morning, put your name in the name of Mary. Calls you by name. Calls you. Philip, Andrew, Sonia, Mary, Peter, whatever it is, he calls you by name. But the stranger's voice, the shepherd will, the sheep will not follow. In fact, they will run away. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees don't understand it. I love it. I just love it. He's telling them this story. So often he's spoken in these parables. And the Pharisees, the religious people, just didn't get it. You see, um, sheep and shepherds, they were simple. And it really is. The whole message is simple, really. Uh, Jesus uses figure of speech to speak about himself. And it's rather like the angel, when the angels came to the shepherds in the she- with the sheep before Jesus was born. It's like it was the simple folks that Jesus came to. And it's still the same today. He doesn't come for the religious folks. He comes for the simple people. Look around you. We're pretty simple folks. Some are really simple. He came for the needy. He came for the hungry. He came for the lonely. He came for the broken. And it's every one of us here uh, this morning in this room. But folks, here's the thing. It's not rocket science. It's really not. It's simple. It's simple. And he chooses simple things in that life to tell a story about himself and it is the same story that's applied to us today but the Pharisees the religious people just simply didn't get it their spiritual blindness got in the way of them seeing and hearing Jesus says I am the gate whoever enters through me will be saved this is the only entry point And being saved is a phrase that's used, isn't it? About being a Christian, being saved and what have you. And if I'm really honest, it's a phrase I don't really like too much because often it's used in a derogatory or demisery kind of way. And the phrase has been coined many, many times in Northern Ireland, like, are you saved and all that. And I I just just don't quite sort of like that. But at the end of the day, it is biblical and it's been taken from the scriptures and it's about being saved. So the sheep, they come. When they're in the pen, they are saved. They are safe in that environment. But it's important that we understand, well, what are we saved from? Ultimately, when we come into relationship with Jesus, that we are saved from eternal condemnation, from punishment and judgment of our sin. And folks, we've heard that message many, many times spoken. Again, um, Folks in this country do a great job at preaching that message. 
And we've heard that many, many times. And actually, it's true. There is an absolute truth in that. And when Jesus, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we are saved from those things. But that is not the destination. We said that last week. That is not the end goal. For several folks who are Christians, I think sometimes they think, you know, doing that thing or praying that prayer, you've booked your seat to heaven and you're waiting in a departure lounge ready to go. That is not it, folks. That is just the beginning. That is the beginning because God wants us to experience life with him in the here and the now, here on earth as it is in heaven. It's just preparation for what's to come. Jesus uh, says that the sheep will come into the fold and they'll go out and find pasture. You see, the sheepfold is safe and secure, but folks, it would be really boring if we spent our lives in the safety of church, wouldn't it? You know, the sheepfold would get pretty pooey and there would be pretty, there'd not be much grass if the sheep just stayed in the sheepfold. But the shepherd leads the sheep out of the fold. Why? To find pasture, to find good, lush, green grass, to find nice water and rivers and stuff to drink from. And Jesus, the shepherd, leads us, his people, out of these, of the pen. This is the safety. This is the security. This is the time we get together. But the rest of the days, six days of the week, he takes us. He takes us to different pastures and different places. And the shepherd leads us into those places because there's good pasture there to give us life. And very often, he takes us to some dark places, not nice green, lush places, some rough places, some dark places, some places where, you know, we'd rather not go to. But God calls us to go there. And you know, when we go to those places, what do we find? We find him because he's in those places. And we find life as we go in obedience to those different places. But the thief, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And the thief is Satan. And Peter writes, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And he will enter, try and enter the fold wherever he can. He's not going to come in through the gate, but he's going to look for any sign, any chink, any, any kind of broken bit in the wall And he's going to try and get in there somehow. And sometimes he does that with us through disguising himself and dressing up and uh, taking what is really good about God and really good about life and twisting them and corrupting them and somehow try and get in. But he comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it in its fullness. Jesus came that we might have life in its fullness. And this Easter, the resurrection, the death and resurrection, is that we would remind ourselves that he promises the gift of life. You see, we can all be alive here this morning. We're all alive, right? Hopefully. The pulse is, the hearts are beating and we're breathing and all that, that's good. But there is a big difference between being alive and living life. There's a huge, huge difference. He came that we might have life. He came that we might know and experience the meaning and reason for life. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd 
lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says he's the gate, but he's also the shepherd. And the shepherd was there to protect the sheep, to protect it from being stolen or from being devoured by some kind of wild animal. And a good shepherd would lay down his life for them. And this Easter, we remember again that he laid down his life for us. So as we come into land, as we remind ourselves, here are just a few things to take away as you go. Why not take those passages in any of the Gospels, any of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and read over the story again? Go away and and spend some time doing that. Ask God if there are any areas of your life where you're spiritually blind. Take a look at the walls um, where the thief might break in. You know, consider marriage. Consider where, you know, the enemy might want to come in there and rob and kill and destroy. You know, folks, you're like, oh, yeah, we've been talking about that date night. We must get out together. Well, go and book a date. That weekend away you've been talking about, go and do that. Go invest in time or something in your marriage. For those of you with families, you're saying, I must spend more time with such and such. Then go and spend time with such and such. Look at time. Look at finance. Look at uh, the things that are going on. Look to see if there's any way that the enemy might come in. But more importantly, most importantly of all, for all of us, that we would ask the shepherd, the good shepherd who laid down his life for us, for the sheep, that we would ask him again, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, that you would hear his voice call your name. Call your name. That you'd hear him. We're done.